Many of us tend to ask from time to time, especially when we see what's happening around our world. You turn on the TV, social media, you find there's a lot of negative things happening in a world that looks like fall, it's falling apart. But the good news is this, that in a world that looks like it's falling apart, God never does. And in a world that might be trying to influence us for its own purposes, God wants us to influence the world for his purpose. Today we're going to continue in our series, Rediscover. And today we're going to talk about this one word called influence. And this word right here, we all have. God has given to each and every one of us a modicum of influence in some form or fashion. You could be a parent, you could be a teacher, you could be someone who is uh, 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 working in the marketplace. And because of your influence, God wants to use you in such a greater capacity. Now, we're going to take a look at some people in the Bible, these four men. And these guys lived in a time where the influence that was coming in wasn't the greatest, but they were still able to bring influence into what was happening because they were following the ways of God. See, you're going you're to have the positive and negative effects of influence, every single person. But we don't want to be people who are negatively influencing the world, uh, the people that surround us, our family. We want to be people who bring in the positive things of God and influence the world around us. So this one word, influence, I think we all have. But the question is, have we lost that influence for God? Have we been people who have been influenced so much by the world that we lost our influence for God? And how do we rediscover our influence when it comes to the things of God? Now, in, in your bulletin, there are some place, uh, there's a place where you can take out uh, that note paper, and that will help you to follow along with the message. You can take down some notes and some key points. At the same time, we have our Bible app for some of you who like uh, you know, using your, your phone or if you have a tablet, uh, you can go on to our church app and then go to where it says Sunday, click on that tab, and go to our Rediscover uh, icon in our series, and then it'll take you to where it says Notes. And you click that, and you can take notes on your phone. Just stay focused. If notifications come up, just disregard it, and don't get influenced by the things that are on your phone. Just use it so that you can take notes, and it's just a powerful way for us to stay on track and then get into the Word of God. But we're going to take a look at these four men, and, and you may know them. The first man's name is Daniel. And if you want to turn your Bibles to Daniel chapter 1, we're going to be going through some of the chapters. But Daniel is found in the Old Testament. And he had some friends that also uh, had the ability to do what God had called them to do as well as to be influencers in a land that was so determined to influence them. And these three men were Hananiah, Azariah, and then Mishael which the king at that time, Nebuchadnezzar, changed their names to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, this is one of my favorite stories because this is a real-life story that took place. They were so inf uh, given into a nation that was trying to influence them and change their way of thinking, but they did not budge. They were able to stay in a nation that was trying to restructure the ways that God had already structured his people, the Israelites. They tried to restructure them, but Daniel and his friends said, absolutely not. This is where we draw the line. 
And so even in a politically strong nation, they said, no, we're not going to budge. Why? Because we know that our God is sovereign. And Daniel's responsibility and his primary purpose, even having the book of Daniel, is so that we could show God's sovereignty throughout history. And that eventually God would have his way, even when it looked like God wasn't going to have his way. The world is filled with influence, good and not so good. But we want to be people who not let, we don't let the world influence us, but we influence the world. You see, your mind is the last line of defense to your heart when it comes to being influenced. And so God wants us to develop a mind that says, I'm going to draw the line and I know where my influence is going to come from because God has given you influence. In Daniel chapter 1, I'm going to read from verses 1 through 5, and then we'll, we'll go through the different uh, scriptures. But Daniel chapter 1, it says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Now, we've got to remember about a thousand years before this takes place, the Israelites were in slavery in Egypt. And so they were released from slavery. And then they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. It should have taken them four to six weeks tops to get into the promised land. But because of their disobedience and God humbling them and building their spirituality and, and, and helping them in their faith, it took them that long to get there. So now here we are post-exodus uh, from Egypt. And now the Israelites are once again being taken over by a foreign nation. And then the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. So King Nebuchadnezzar takes all the articles from the Israelites and puts it in his own treasure of his house, of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years and after they were to enter the king's service. So now the king is saying, let's go find the best of the best men. And when you find them, we now need to retrain them so that they can relearn how we do things in knowledge and with literature. And Daniel and his men, they are now in this, influence, uh, in this influential place of the kingdom. And the king is saying, we got to relearn some things. Well, Daniel and his men, they say, hang on, we're not going to budge. We're going to stay true to what we've already learned and who we are in God. I mean, how do you not let the influence of the world invade the territory of your heart when you've already been developing a relationship with God? What do you do when laws change that says you as a believer aren't able to exercise your beliefs? What do you do in a system that says... Otherwise, that when you already have established your belief in God, that when people come along and say, no, you can't, you can't, you can't, how do you still become an influential person in the world that you live in? 
Maybe right now you're thinking, boy, I did lose some of my influence. Maybe, I, maybe I, as a parent, I've lost my influence with my children. Maybe you're saying even in my own household, it's tough to be an influencer. When my children are always on their phones and they get influenced by other things. Or when they go to school, they get influenced by friends or the trends that are happening. They watch different videos and, and YouTube videos and they get influenced by that. How do you still become an influencer in a world that is, is so rampant with influencing? Well, Daniel and his friends were able to stand their ground. Daniel 1 verse 8 says, But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. Daniel resolved. In other words, he already made a decision in his mind to say, I'm not going to let any other thing influence me. It's going to be God himself. And he resolved in his mind not to defile himself with the royal food, with the wine. And he asked the chief for permission not to defile himself in this way. And so the official allows Daniel and his friends to stick to their diet, to their eating plan. But he said, if, if I let you guys do this, in, in so many days that go by, if I come back to you and you're not as strong as these men that the king is feeding with his royal food and the wine, then we're going to have to change it up. Well, Daniel say, he says, you know what? If we don't come back in better condition than these guys, then absolutely you can change whatever you need to. But some time had passed by, and they took a look at Daniel and his friends and they were in much better shape than the, 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 those that were eating of the king's food. They were in better condition. They were healthier looking. And so Daniel, even in a place where he could have had it all, said, I'm going to stick to the plan that God gave to me. And he was able to, in a world that was trying to influence him, stick to his beliefs and continued to be the man that God created him to be. In verse 17, to these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding and all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. God gave Daniel this ability to, to, to not just dream and have visions, but he also gave Daniel the ability to interpret dreams, which is going to come in handy as these kings who try to rule over Daniel try to influence him and as they go through their difficulties Daniel is able to help them see that there is a greater good in the position that God gave to them at the same time in verse 18 at the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar so they present Daniel and his friends the king talked with them and he found none equal to Daniel Hananiah Mishael and Azariah so they entered the king's service in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them. He found them ten times better, ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. See, there is high value when you're an influencer for God. Ten times, the Bible says, you can be. See, people aren't looking for people that are just good at what they do or, or have knowledge or are good at, at uh, have, have some kind of wisdom. People are looking for people who are 10 times better. Not better than in comparison and put others down. No, just 10 times better. 
But that only comes with the spirit of the living God. It comes through him and his wisdom and his knowledge. There is high value for people with the right kind of influence in our world today. And here's how we rediscover influence. The first thing is to let God be your greatest influencer. Let God be your greatest influencer. It's not a religious thing. It's not a religious act. It's not a religious decision. It's a relational value that we're saying, God, you're going to be my highest form of influence. The greatest influence in my life is going to be you, God. That's a decision we make. We resolve in our mind to say, no matter what takes place, God, you're going to be my greatest influence. The question is, what is your role when it comes to your influence, your leadership, in your home, in the workplace, with your children? Are you an influencer with your children? I mean, there are times when we say, well, you sound just like your mom. And it's because maybe it's a, an attitude that they gave. Or sometimes they'll say bad words and you say, how did you say, who taught you that? And they'll say, you did. Like we never realize how much of an influence we are than when our kids start acting like us. What about in ministry? How are we reaching people for Jesus? Are we being an influencer there? What about when it comes to controversial issues that we see in our world and nation today? We, 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 we go back and forth with our belief depending on whose opinion sounds better. And God says, you're, you're out of that. You're not of this world. Yes, you can voice your opinion, but where's the belief system? Where's your foundation when it comes to your, your opinion? Are you going to succumb to the world and what everyone else is saying and doing? Because people aren't looking for people to just go with the flow. They're looking for excellent influencers. And God has chosen you and I. Well, the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, has this disturbing dream. And now he needs it to be interpreted. He, he wakes up and he says, this is not a good dream. So he calls in his astrologers and, and, and all those who should be interpreting dreams. He calls them in and says, I had a dream last night. Interpret it. And they all look at each other like, what? Uh, how are we going to interpret his dream? Okay, so king, tell us your dream and then we'll interpret it. And he says, no, 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 no. If I tell you my dream, then you can make stuff up. So how about you tell me what I dreamt and then interpret it? They're like, there's no one on earth who can do that, king. You're asking, like, for an impossible thing. He says, okay, then I'll just kill you all. It was like, whoa, 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 slow down, king. It's like, let's huddle up. Let's think this through. We've got to figure out a way or he's going to kill us all. Now, Daniel and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, find this out that the king is going to destroy all of them. And so Daniel says, hang on, can you <laughs> just time out, king. Slow down. Give me some time. Because I'm going to seek my God, and I'm going to pray to him. So Daniel goes with his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he says, hey, guys, we need to pray. Otherwise, we die. So let's pray to God that he would give us this interpretation of the dream. And so Daniel and his men, they pray. God gives them the interpretation. And now Daniel stands before the king. And in chapter 2, verse 46, Daniel is standing before the king. And he lets the king know. Here's your dream. The king is amazed. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel and paid him honor and ordered that an offering and incense be presented to him. The king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of the gods and the Lord of kings and the revealer of mysteries, for you were able to reveal this mystery. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position 
and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all its wise men. Moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego administrators over the province of Babylon, while Daniel himself remained at the royal court. So here you have King Nebuchadnezzar having this dream. Daniel interprets it. The king falls prostrate before Daniel and says, your God is the God of gods. But does that change King Nebuchadnezzar's heart? No. Right after that, he sets up a statue, puts up a gold image and says, okay, everybody, and whenever the music plays, you're going to bow down to this image that I set up. Well, the administrators and satraps, they say, wait a minute. What about, what about Daniel and his men? They should bow down to this statue too. Well, Daniel's in the palace, and you have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego not bowing down to this statue. So the administrators, being jealous of the fact that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are such influencers that they're trying to figure out how to get rid of them. So now they tell the king, listen, king, there is, a, there is an edict, a decree. Can you, just, can you just enforce that? Because when you play the music, these three men, they don't bow down to that statue that you made. So... We need, to, we need to get rid of them because if they don't respect you, then neither will anyone else. Now, you can see this pool and struggle and, and this battle with influencing. You see that all the time. Even in the workplace, people try to influence one another with position and, 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 and our pride comes up. And we start be- becoming defensive and resentful. And so we have this battle that, take, that, that takes place with influence. And we see that happening now with ja- Daniel's three friends. Well, they don't budge. And even, even though they're faced with death, they still refuse to worship this image. In chapter 3, verse 16, as the king finds out and starts questioning Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these three men replies to the king. They say, you know, King Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace... The God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hands. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Well, that's not what Nebuchadnezzar wanted to hear, so he gets furious, throws him into the furnace. And while they're in the furnace, the king sees something very unusual. In verse 24, the king leapt to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, were there not three men that we tied up and threw into the furnace? They replied, certainly, your majesty. We took roll. It was easy. Uno, dos, tres. Three people. We got them. And he said, well, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. The fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. And then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has seen his angel and rescued his servants. 
They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble for no other god can save this way. And then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. You can see that these three men, was, they were not influenced because God was their greatest influencer. King Nebuchadnezzar, although he's watching this, still hasn't changed his heart. He keeps saying to the gods of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, to your gods, to their gods, he, he never saw God as his God. He saw the workings of God, but never made him personal in his life. And so many of us are still at that threshold of God is God. I see his works. I understand, but he's not personal to me yet. And there's a reason for that. Because this king wasn't allowing God to be his greatest influencer. He was allowing his position and his kingdom to influence him. But Daniel kept true to his calling. Well, the king has another dream. And Daniel interprets it once again, and this time it was the downfall of King Nebuchadnezzar. But then Nebuchadnezzar turns towards God through this difficulty and dark time and the hardships that he experienced. And in chapter 4, verse 34, at the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven and my sanity was restored because he went a little cuckoo for a little while. Then I praised, listen, he praised, I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. Can you see the heart change and the personal touch that is there now? It's no longer the God of, I, I, he didn't say, I now praise the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He says, no, I praise the Most High. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is in eternal dominion is an eternal dominion his kingdom endures from generation to generation all the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing he does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth no one can hold back his hand or say to him what have you done at the same time that my sanity was restored my honor and splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom my advisors and nobles sought me out and i was restored to my throne and became even greater than before now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven because everything he does is right and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. It's amazing that he came to this place. But it took him that long and he went through such difficult times. Now we switch gears from King Nebuchadnezzar to a new king, his son, King Belteshazzar. Uh, Belshazzar. King Belshazzar gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine with them. This is chapter 5, verse 1. While Belshazzar was drinking his wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem so that the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines, might drink from them. So they brought in the gold goblets that had been taken from the temple of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines, drank from them. As they drank the wine, they praised the gods of gold and silver, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone. 
Suddenly, the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall near the lampstand in the royal palace. The king watched the hand as it wrote. His face turned pale, and he was so frightened that his legs became weak and his knees were knocking. Have you ever been so frightened that your legs became weak and your knees were knocking? I mean, that's how frightened he was. Well, the king summons the enchanters, astrologers, and diviners, and he said to the wise men of Babylon, whoever reads this writing and tells me what it means will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around his neck, and he will be made third highest in the kingdom. Then all the king's wise men came in, but they could not read the writing or tell the king what it meant. So here they are once again, stuck with not knowing how to interpret this thing. The queen hears of it, and the queen herself kind of steps in and says, wait a minute, I got to say something. In verse 11, there is a man, she says, in your kingdom who has the spirit of the holy gods in him. In the time of your father, he was found to have insight and intelligence and wisdom like that of the gods. Your father, King Nebuchadnezzar, appointed him chief of the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners. He was found to have a keen mind and knowledge and understanding, and also the ability to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve difficult problems. And then she says this, call for that guy. Call for Daniel, and he will tell you what the writing means. You know why she could call to Daniel? Because Daniel was such an influencer. He didn't let the outside influence, uh, influence influence what was happening on the inside. He didn't let what was happening in the kingdom ruin what was going on on the inside. Daniel didn't let that come in. He let no corruption come into his heart or his mind. He corrected it quickly. And he says, I'm going to stay true to what God is teaching me. If you want to write this in your second point, for all of us, we want to be influencers. Then let no corruption enter your life. And that's a difficult thing to do. Let no corruption enter your life. See, we're always on guard 24-7, but once we let our guard down, even for a moment, that's when we get influenced, and that's when our hearts can become corrupted. And Daniel was surrounded by corruption and influence so powerful that if he let loose for one moment, everything would fall apart. His life would become corrupted. There was so much pressure to, to, to compromise. And he says, I'm not going to compromise. And he let nothing come into his heart. Can I encourage you to not let loose for one moment? Not one moment. That you, you stay true to the things of God. You, you're going to have people to try to tempt you and test you. They say, yeah, just try one time, one time. Just try. You're going to be like us. And then you watch them, you're like, I don't like being like them. I don't want to be like that. Lord, I want to be more like you. Don't give one opportunity, one moment, one thought, one decision. That's all the devil needs to bring corruption into our hearts. Just one moment. It's like a virus. The devil comes in with just a a tiny bit of influence to corrupt our hearts. And a virus can go undetected because it's so tiny. But the only way you begin to know you have a virus is that you begin to develop symptoms of that virus. You start sneezing, coughing, body aches, fever, whatever else comes up. That's a symptom of what is happening on the inside. And the virus goes on many times undetected. 
And so it is with the influences that come into our world, in, into our world, in our hearts. It most of the times are undetected. Sometimes for days, weeks, months, years, sometimes even decades later, we see the symptoms. Things start falling apart. Life isn't the same. The joy in our life is gone. Why? It's not because of the situation right now. It started long before that. Why? Because we let something of a virus come in and infect us. And it came in undetected. And now we see the results. It's like a computer that gets a virus. You don't see the virus coming in, but you see the results of it. It's not working well. But when we are influencers for God, we let Him come in. And we let Him do a, a new thing. We let Him clean out our hearts. And we let Him become the greatest influencer in our life that no corruption would come in, but that His light shines in and through us. Daniel chapter 5, verse 18. It continues. It says, Your Majesty, this is Daniel. The Most High God gave your father, Nebuchadnezzar, sovereignty and greatness and glory and splendor because of the high position he gave him. All the nations and peoples of every language dreaded and feared him. The king wanted to put to death, whoever the king wanted to put to death, he put to death. In verse 22, but you, Belshazzar, his son, have not humbled yourself, though you knew all of this. Instead, you have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. You had the goblets from the temple brought to you. And you and your nobles, your wives, and your concubines drank wine from them. You praised the God of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which cannot see or hear or understand, but you did not honor the God who holds in his hands your life and all his ways. Therefore, he sent the hand that wrote the inscription. So now Daniel is about to reveal what this all means. This is the inscription that is written, verse 25. Mene, mene, tekel, parsin. Here's what these words mean. Mene, God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Tekel. You have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Paris, your kingdom has divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Then, at Belshazzar's command, Daniel was clothed in purple. A gold chain was placed around his neck, and he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. But that very night, Belshazzar, king of the Babylonians, was slain, and Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at age 62. Now you think about Daniel's influence that he had and Daniel's influence of these two kings, not just Nebuchadnezzar, but his son Belshazzar. These two kings David had such influence with. But now here's a third king that comes in, King Darius. And now this new king appoints Daniel as one of the three officials that will oversee his administration. So Daniel still has influences. He still has an, an influence, even though these three kings have come. And two are gone, and now this new one is here. Daniel chapter 6, verse 4 through 6. 
At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel on his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and, and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the laws of his God. So these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and says, king, king, live forever. In other words, they're coming to smooth talk the king to say, hey, king, you know, there's, there's something that you can put in place that because you're the most high, you should put in place that, that anyone who worships any other God besides you, they should be killed. So the king says, oh, okay, that sounds good. Well, the king liked Daniel. And so the king puts this edict out and says, okay, anyone who worships any other God except the God that I want them or to worship me, if you're not able to do that and, and worship who I want you to, then you're going to die. You're going you're to be thrown in the lion's den in the next 30 days if you don't abide by these rules. I mean, just think about it. How do you, how do you live and still maintain your influence for God when someone else takes it away? What do you do when you're not in position to, to be an influencer for God and someone comes along and, and puts something in place that says you have no say anymore. What do you do when things fall apart and you're no longer an influence? Well, for Daniel, knowing that for the next 30 days, if, I'm, if I don't worship their gods, I'm going to be thrown into the lion's den. Well, that didn't bother Daniel only because the king or what was happening in the world at that point was not his sustainer of influence. Daniel didn't rely on outside circumstances to be his influence. No, he was the one who said, God, you're my greatest influence. I'm not going to let anything corrupt me, and you're going to sustain my influence. And you can write that in your third point. You, you keep that influence. You rediscover influence by understanding that it's God who sustains your influence. God's going to keep you going strong as a parent. God's going to keep you going strong as a believer. It's going to be him. He's going to sustain you and I. In verse 10 of chapter 6, now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, this is what he does. He doesn't panic. He doesn't start to uh, just blast out, you know, against things and, and, and all of that. He went home to his upstairs room where, he, where the windows were open toward Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Daniel already had a lifestyle that God sustained so when things started to change, he didn't have to do a mad scramble. No, he didn't have to. Why? Because he was already in motion of having that lifestyle with God. Well, the men find Daniel, bring him to the king, and remind the king of this edict. In verse 16, chapter 6. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, may your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. And he's being seriously honest about this. He's not saying, hey, may the God that you serve bless you. Okay, bye. And close it up. No, he said, no, I, I hope that this God whom you talk about, 
whom you have been able to go to to interpret these dreams, may he save you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, verse 17. And the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. This is how powerful Daniel was as an influencer. He was such an influencer that this king who ruled the land was so concerned about Daniel because there was something special about Daniel. And it touched the king's heart. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? And I wonder if for many of us, maybe, maybe you hear that voice saying the same thing to you. Has God been able to rescue you from the lions? from all these things that have been crowding you, from what people have been saying, from what someone has done to you, from the past, from your behavioral patterns. Has God come to rescue you? And Daniel says this, and I hope we can say the same thing. Daniel responds, and he says, May the king live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. And the king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. God was his sustainer. When your reputation is under attack, how do you defend it? Do you try to make excuses or do you let your influence speak for it? How do, you, how do you continue to have such an influence that even for someone like a king, you would be able to also influence them? Because for Daniel, it wasn't the king that sustained his influence, nor was it the outside circumstances. It was God himself. And it wasn't Daniel who got influenced by these three powerful kings. Listen very carefully. It was Daniel who influenced these three kings. And they began to change their mindset because of this one man, Daniel, who said to God above, I'm not going to let them influence me. I'm going to let you be my greatest influencer. I'm not going to let any corrupt thing enter my heart. And you're going to sustain my influence. And they were able to, he was able to do that. And God continues to sustain Daniel's influence even till this day that we still talk about him. But so much so that if you read the entire book of Daniel, you're going to see that Daniel, being from the tribe of Judah and, these, and his three friends, were able to point people to the Lion of Judah, Jesus Christ. That one day the Anointed One would come and rescue us, not from, not from oppression here on this earth, but from oppression for all eternity. Daniel was able to prophesy long before Jesus came. And he says, there's going to be a day when the Messiah will come, the anointed one. And it's in him that you're going to find redemption and salvation. And because of Daniel's influence, we still today find hope in Christ. That even though Daniel was able to be rescued from the lion's den, even though Daniel was found innocent, it still didn't change that people were still against him. 
you can be as innocent as you are, you're still going to find opposition. But it's okay because that doesn't influence you. It's God himself who's our greatest influencer. Don't lose your influence. You lose your influence, you lose your witness for Christ. These men, Daniel, Meshach, and Abednego, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel, these four men, they could be an influence in a world that tried to influence them. They stayed strong. They drew the line and they said, we're not going to let any other thing cross over and influence us. But they influenced everyone else. And you'll never be more influential in your life, in your family, in the ministry that you serve in or wherever you may be in the world than when you come to the saving power and salvation of Jesus Christ. That's the greatest influence that you will ever have in your life. You find Jesus, you rediscover influence. You can close your Bibles and put away your notes. We're going to pray. You can bow your heads for a moment. I'm going to ask Glenn to come to the keyboard. And as we close in prayer, let this be our, kind of like our turning point, that we're going to be an influence in the world. That God's going to continue to sustain our influence. Would you pray with me? Let's bow our heads together. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful that you are the greatest influence that will be in our lives. We pray right now that we would be consistent with who you've called us to be as believers. That we're not going to be swayed to and fro by the, by, by the ebb and flow of the world, but that we would be sustained by you. Let no corruption come into our hearts, Lord. Let us guard our minds, guard our hearts, because we're at a critical stage in our world today where it's going to take believers. God, you are looking for men and women who will be like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then in a world that ever changes and laws that are passed, that you still use us as your people to be a representation of who you are in this world. So we ask for that, Lord, that we would still be people who influence, that we would rediscover that, how powerful it is. I pray for those this morning, Lord, maybe they've never said yes to you. Maybe they've been influenced and they're realizing that there has been a virus that came in, that something has corrupted them. And not just certain things that have taken place in this life, but there is something that came into our lives as human beings that has corrupted us from day one, and it's called sin. But you forgave us. You redeemed us. You've given us a way to be washed clean by the redemptive power on the cross. And so today, Lord, we ask for that forgiveness. And if you're here today and you're saying, I want Jesus to be in my heart. I want forgiveness of my sins. I've never given him my heart. I've never said yes to him. I want him to be my greatest influencer. Would you just lift the hand and we'll pray together. Everyone's head is bowed and eyes closed. If you're saying, I want Jesus in my heart today, just lift a hand. Yeah, we're going to pray together. God sees you. Yeah, God sees you. Yeah. Right there. God bless you. Right here, right here, right there. God sees you right here, right back there. God sees you. Yep, he sees your hand right there. Yeah, God sees you. Definitely hears your prayers. Yeah. Okay, back there, right here. Okay, put your hands down. Let's pray this prayer together, and especially for those who are saying yes to Jesus for the first time. And as I pray this and you, re you repeat after me, just include your heart. And here's our prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for dying on the cross, 
and rising from the grave. Thank you for giving me eternal life. Wash me clean. Make me brand new. Help me to be an influence in this world for you. I pray this in Jesus' name. And Lord, that's our prayer today. Thank you for calling us to be the greatest influencers in this world for you. May you continue to sustain us, empower us to be great for you. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all said together, amen, amen.